0: And others, you can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. So, if you were thinking of starting your own podcast, you want to download the Anchor app or go to Anchor.fm to get started. How we doing? This is Rob Foster with RBF Fitness and Nutrition. Will upgrade their iPhones, they upgrade their Androids, they upgrade their laptops, but yeah. they're operating with the same brain that they operated with for the last decade. You should know the value that you bring to the marketplace. You know what your passion is. You know why you do what you do. So racism, it's out there, but it doesn't have to stop you. Just because somebody might look at you a certain way, that doesn't have to stop your forward progress. Where you have to eliminate the excuses. You gotta make that game plan say, for me to get to that point. All right, happy Tuesday, everyone. This is Rob Foster with Shut Up and Grind. This is episode number 90. We are storming close to 100. We're on episode 90, loving it. And today we're going to be talking about navigating through shame and guilt. But first, you know I got to pimp the new show starting June 7th. We have a debate show, and it's not going to be your typical run-of-the-mill debate show. We're going to take controversial and important topics, but we're going to have rational discussions about them. And it's going to be every Monday starting on June 7th at 11 a.m. Eastern Time. And the show is called We Gotta Get Deep with Robert B. Foster. All right, so again, so that starts in three weeks, and that first show is going to be... Should critical race theory be taught in elementary school, elementary and middle school? So it's a hot topic that's going on, and we're going to tackle it, all right? So we also have the Grind Gear, all right? Shut Up and Grind Gear. We got tanks. We got everything, right? Shut up and all right? Shut Up and Grind all right? Shut Up and Grind Gear and as always, if you want to support the channel, you can do so, shutupandgrind.me slash support. Greatly appreciate it. And now we're going to talk about today's topic. So shame and guilt. I'm sure we've all felt that at some point. But now there's different levels to this. And uh, so I, I obviously I have an expert on to, to talk about it. So I'll give the unexpert opinion You know, first that I think a lot of it is, is how we allow it to define us or if we allow it to define us so we all do things that maybe we're not proud of but it's what is what you do afterwards is how you respond to it. it's kind of like everything else in life how we talk about attitude you know like my ceiling can fall in right now and then I have two ways of handling it and so if you've wronged someone or if someone's wronged you and it's causing you hurt in your life it's about how, how do you handle it and so that's what we're gonna we're gonna talk about today. And once we get to know our guests, because you know we have to get to know our guests first. Can't just bring somebody on here, call them an expert, and just expect you to take their word for it. So, you know, we get into that backstory, you find out who they are, where they came from, where their passion lies, why they do what they do, and then we'll tackle the topic in the second half an hour. So you guys, you guys know how we do it. All right. So who is this guest of mine? All right, so she is an Shame, guilt, educator. She's a counselor. She's a filmmaker. She actually has a film coming out soon. I'm over here trying trying to read the thing. There it is, June. It's coming out next month, 2021. And her new film is I'm Good, making shame, guilt visible. So we're going to be on the lookout for that one. But now she was also given a death sentence at 55 and is now thriving at 77. Right. So we're going to. We're going to talk to her now and find out how how she did it, how she's doing it, why she's doing it. So welcome to the show, Lois Hollis.
1: Oh, uh, thank you. I Thank you for that introduction.
0: Hey, You wrote it. I did. <laughs> I just read it and added my flair to it. <laughs> well, you have a good flair. <laughs> thank you. Appreciate that. <laughs> so, Lois, where are you joining us from? I'm joining
1: you from the mountains in North Carolina, Ash, outside of Asheville.
0: Awesome. Yeah, like I was tell, telling you uh, backstage, I, I was just there last month. I went to uh, uh, Chim- Chimney Rock. Oh, yeah. Okay. They're very yeah. nice. Beautiful. Yeah. Beautiful area. It's
1: it's beautiful area, and it's also, it's called the, uh, especially Rainsville where I live, they say it has the rainbow energy. Ah, what does that mean? And- that means it's it has a higher um, frequency. If you know what I'm saying, it, it it's um, it you just feel elevated when you're here. You oh, feel gotcha. happier. It, it, it's a happiness
0: feeling. We call that it's got the vibe.
1: It's got the vibe. That's yeah.
0: what it is. We got Thank the you. Vibe. <laughs> Everybody
1: has their own expression of it, yes. but it's a more of a. Well, it's not a city with subways and a million people.
0: Yeah. So you have more of the raw energy of the nature. And and let me, I, that, let me tell you, yeah. when I was there, the people were so friendly. Yes. Every, everyone I walked by, anywhere I went, was like, hi, how are you? Good morning. Hi, how are you? Good morning. Everywhere I went. That's very true. It's yep. very true. Yeah, in the bigger cities, people just look down, like nobody's talking to you. So everyone's very friendly.
1: Yeah, some. I'm older, so I uh, was able to visit New York, because I lived in Philadelphia for quite a long time. And I visited New York on the weekends, and I felt... I saw and I felt New York to be extremely friendly, even though it was so big. But, you know, the times have shifted now, you know, the social isolation and everything. People are not as friendly as um, they were. And that's a whole nother story. But
0: yeah, (laughs) Yeah, we could do a whole show on that topic. (laughs) Yeah, And
1: uh, I'm just saying that the big cities were very, every humanity is basically friendly. Yeah, it's true. Humanity is a beautiful, you know, I'm going back, I'm into my passion here. It just kind of slipped in. (laughs) Um, Humanity is, um, did you know we're the the most advanced species in the universe? Oh, of course we are. We are humanly designed uh, by God, and we are a beautiful, beautiful race, and we have all what we need, only that we have been um, insulted by different energies, frequencies within our lives. Yes. But we are good. And that's why my new film is I'm Good. Yes, we are good. But we have um, obstacles in our path. But basically, we're beautiful, happy uh, people. I, um, I come from, my background is all four of my grandparents came from Warsaw, Poland. Okay. I'm 100% Polish. Ah, uh, Warsaw, Poland. All right. So I will never be a vegetarian.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I can't either. I'm 100% carnivore.
1: <laughs> so um, I still juice vegetables because it's healthy. You yeah. know, I... I'm, you know, plain vegetables, no fruit, just vegetables, and then I have my hamburger on the side. Yeah. So, I think, uh, I think diet is a lot with your own DNA. So, I, I'm a little bit of both, but I'm very strong person because of my background. Yeah. Uh, Polish people are, um, are very, you know, you always see the big guy. I'm Polish. So. Yeah. So. Um. That's my, I, I'm petite, but my inner strength is very strong and I owe that to my, um,
0: ancestors. So when did they come to to the U.S.?
1: Uh, I believe they came when they were like, uh, 30 or 40 in that range. Uh, I don't have much info, but, um, my parents spoke Polish and on both sides yeah. And uh, so um, what that leads to is Polish people, you always hold about the Polish polka, no. the dancing. Oh, dancing. oh, oh polka, oh, polka, yeah. polka dancing. Okay, so I could polka dance before I could walk.
0: <laughs>
1: wow. and, and my mother was an incredible seamstress and she made polka um, Polish costumes. So the reason I bring this up is because I love to dance. I always wanted to dance yeah um, when I was I can't remember a lot of my childhood because it was abusive but oh. somewhere around the five or six years old I wanted to dance and I just drove my parents insane and I think you can relate to that having kids oh, yeah. I want to tap dance I want to tap dance and so they finally let me have tap dancing lessons and I tapped dance until I was a senior in high school so uh, I owe that to uh, a healing that I had uh, in my lifetime because I'm from a very abusive childhood. Uh, uh, Lots of broken bones, head traumas, broken neck, broken jaw, uh, broken ribs. And the reason I know this happened was because I had to have a chiropractor helped me heal all these broken bones. So I didn't know I had them until I, it was found that I. the reason I couldn't walk because of my um, bones were broken. I couldn't uh, go out in the sunlight because I had head traumas. I couldn't, you know, my teeth were all messed because my jaws were broken. So I didn't know I had these problems until someone said, you have a broken jaw. Oh, okay. <laughs> so so
0: what, what age group... Was, was this stuff happening? Um, what I
1: I only recalled my childhood somewhere in my 50s. Oh. Okay. Because at that point, I became depressed. And that was yeah. like unusual because, you know, I like to tap dance. And yeah. I, I started the first kidney hemodialysis unit in the country in Philadelphia in 1960. Oh, wow. I know. So, I was like uh, a trailblazer. I started the um, nurses and technicians organization through that. I taught home hemodialysis. I um, rescued the unit from hepatitis epidemic. Uh, I did lots of firsts in my life.
0: Fun fact. That's, Fun that's fact. who I am. I'm, I'm a kidney donor. Oh, Really? Yeah, yeah, okay. I gave, yeah. I gave one to my sister. Wow. Yeah. Awesome. Awesome. So you did all of that. And so, so you, what, what, I'm, just, go I'm ahead. Try, trying to get, cause like, I like to, to, to piece, to piece everything together as to, to what shaped you to do what it is you're doing, which I know we're going to get there in a minute, but just like, like, what do you recall about? About the abuse.
1: Okay. Now, the reason I prefaced that was because I was extremely um, knowledgeable. I was extremely inventive. I was adventurous.
0: Yeah.
1: And I didn't realize I had all these traumas. Mm. I think that's quite incredible that um, I didn't even know I was sick. I had migraine headaches for 30 years, but... Somehow, um, I, <laughs> I just had migraine. Like, I didn't identify with an illness. I think that's what I'm yeah. trying to say, is that I just kept on moving. Yeah. But as you know, if you have traumas in your life, they eventually take over until you release them and work yeah. with them and heal them. So at 50, I'm having the downfall of extreme depression. Yeah. I mean to the point of suicidal oh, wow. um, depression. So obviously I um, start talking to therapists and they go, well, how was your childhood? And I said, oh, my childhood, I can't remember because I'm stupid. Mm. And, and 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 like I'm talking that and then I'm thinking, well, how am I stupid if I did all these great things? And so that's how I started to try to look at my childhood. I came to the first um, image I had of my childhood was my legs were bleeding, mm-hmm. and then I saw my father hitting me with a belt strap. Yeah. So that led to oh, there's there's something there, mm. and so um, I've come to learn and and i'm 77 now so it wasn't until maybe like 10 years ago that i realized some of the abuse and the um i um i i remember being thrown my head my skull was smashed and i and i right. was like how did that happen then all of a sudden i saw i was laying on a concrete slab and i was thrown someone, I'm not saying who, pushed me when I was like, I don't know, four or five down a cell where, a, st- a stairwell, and it yeah. was all cement. And I was pushed down there. And I remember laying on the concrete slab. And I think that's where my whole side of my face was smashed. And then uh, obviously train traumas. <laughs> and then I remember, um, someone took my neck and twisted it and jumped on it. Ooh. And then I remember from that, I, um, I, I, I just felt something. And then I, I, um, I remember that I died. I, I, I don't remember dying and I just remember seeing other things. Yes. And that's when I had a near death experience.
0: Okay.
1: And um, because she died from a broken neck. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, duh. Yeah. <laughs> you know, C1 and C2 were broken. Yeah. And um, after that, it was very, I just remember that nobody bothered me after that. And I had, I was always talking to. to To God or something, whatever you want to call it, but that's how my life changed at that time. Yeah, and I, um, what I remember from my childhood is one or two things: is that I was in first grade, or I don't know. You know, we're talking about 1950, so somewhere then that you have to read. In front of the class. So I remember I looked at the book and I held the book up mm-hmm. and I said, it was a Catholic church. I was Catholic schools. Yes. And I said to the teacher nun, I said, how do you stop the words from moving? Because mm-hmm. the words kept on moving and I'm going, I can't, I can't read because they're moving. And they slapped me in my face
0: wow. because
1: they thought I, you know, Kids being goofy. Yeah. And nobody understood um, dyslexia or Aaron syndrome or other uh, problems that kids have. Yeah. But I had that because of all the brain traumas. I mean, you can't smash your head and not have a problem. Yeah. Hello. Hello.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I I was going to ask that, but you already addressed it. So
1: So the next day, the teacher called me in front of the class and said to read. So what I did was creative Lois, I turned the book around upside down thinking that the words would stop moving if I turned the book around.
0: Mm
1: -hmm. (laughs) I mean, it makes sense to a kid, right? Yeah. (laughs) If if he hold it this way, the words are moving, he turned it around and maybe it doesn't. And I get another slap in the face. Uh, So, What I did remember is that my parents were called into the school and they were told by the school that I was an idiot child oh wow that could not be taught but they would still keep me in school because they were a catholic school yeah and I just had to go to the back of the class and they would keep me in school but they could not teach me because I was an idiot child that could not learn because I couldn't write. I was dyslexic, so I wrote everything backwards. Yeah. Like, it was beautiful. I, I see some of my work, and it's perfectly backwards. Mm-hmm. So I was left alone, which was really sad, but it was really great because nobody hollered at me for not reading or writing properly. And I feel like I, um, you know, healed myself. And I think a lot of that had to do with dancing. I just wanted to dance. So I kept on dancing and dancing. And I now I understand that if you have dyslexia, a lot of the exercises they do or try to bring the right and the left brain together to harmonize. So I think all my dancing helped me to heal. Amazing. It's a, I know, it's absolutely amazing. And then um, I've learned that I had Erin syndrome. It's I-L-E-E-N. And they're now discovering that some children, because of trauma, have Erin syndrome, which is the words do not stay the same. They move around. So they have special lenses now that you can wear, that you can read. So... The fact that the words were moving was um, a symptom of a, a traumatic illness. And not that I was being goofy.
0: Yeah. All right. But All right, so in
1: 1950, they did not know that.
0: Yeah. All right, so how long how long did the, did the abuse go on? Do you remember? I remember it stopped after I saw...
1: Heaven, God, whatever. It, it was like I had a protection around me. It. it yeah. I just remembered everything was okay.
0: Yeah. Right, so how how did you move past that? I I I I don't know. Because like I've I've interviewed people who have gone through a third of that and they still can't release it. It's like okay, you through, that's that's you know. I'll tell you how. Okay.
1: This is how I did it. Because that's severe trauma. You don't live through that. Well, didn't. I <laughs> died. Yeah. And um, what I wanted to talk to you was about, um, you know, the emotional. It's shaming that yeah. you can't read, you can't write. And I stuttered. And people called me stupid. A lot. I was labeled <laughs> stupid. No, they yeah. told me you have an idiot. No, they called me an idiot, idiot child. Yeah. An idiot child who cannot learn wow now fast forward i in um in my adulthood i got a letter from the university of pennsylvania you know that's an ivy league school oh yeah and they said you have been accepted i went oh my god i'm not stupid (laughs) (laughs) so what a confirmation but how did i heal and that's what brought me to my passion is that I had to heal. I had to, I have this burning desire in myself for health, well-being, and um, a presence of humanity. I've always had that love. That's why I started the kidney hemodialysis. You know, I always wanted to help people heal. My, My MO is help humanity to heal, but I had to heal because I was dying. You know, from the brain traumas, I had mitral valve prolapse, means a leaky valve from my father. I had severe scoliosis, so I couldn't breathe. My lungs were compromised. I had brain traumas. Uh, I had, you know, what, uh, three three or four broken ribs. Um, Of course, everything healed, but it healed crooked. You know, if you break something and you don't get it set, what happens? It gets... It, it it heals, but it's crooked. Yeah, so it, heals, I have, it heals where it is. Yeah, so I have pictures of me crooked, but mm-hmm. I was always, you know, because of all the uh, traumas that were there. Yeah. Uh, so that brings me into a place of 50. I, I, I just, you know, have these, um, uh, you know, every once in a while visuals of, you know, abuse. And so I start talking to therapists, you know, like, hi, you know, um, you know, help me out with this. And, <laughs> you know, I feel like it's better for me to die because the world would be better off without me. That's yeah. really, but that's really how suicidal people feel. Yeah. And, and it, it is, they actually feel, I actually felt it's better for me not to be here. And I had three beautiful children. Okay. And and so I said, oh, my goodness, I have to talk to somebody to have that feeling that the world's better without me. Yes. So that's when I start talking to a therapist, you know, just a normal therapist and talking through that. So um, after talking with them, someone for a little bit I felt better you know we're talking about you know a couple months and they said oh you're fine now and I went I don't feel fine I mean I I don't feel like committing suicide believe me I'm not happy I don't feel like dancing yeah Um, I I just um, everything's a burden um, but somehow I'm able to keep going but this time the kids are out in high school So they like don't need mom. You know how that, well, your kids are a little young. Once they get to high school, uh, you know, they'll come for lunch and dinner. But that's it. I have two adults. Oh, okay. So you understand what I'm talking about. But so I didn't have to do the mother, mother things as much. And that was good because um, I could deal more with my own life. Yes. Which needed it. So one time in... uh, a therapy group, one of my uh, friends says, Lois, what do you do about shame? I well. oh, I don't know. That's an odd word. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. Now, I have a detective mind. Means that I have to figure out whatever that is. It just is. I have to. I'm the kind of person that You just can't tell me something. I have to figure out and explain it and figure it out and see if it's true or not. Or where did that go? So someone tells me something that I don't know about. I got to figure it out. It's just the way my brain. They said I would make a great detective. (laughs) (laughs) So shame. So I went to the library. We didn't have Internet at that time. And I said, it's a sickness of the soul. And I go, oh, that's interesting.
0: I like that sickness goes the soul.
1: And he's one of the forerunners of talking about shame, not guilt, shame.
0: Yeah.
1: And um, with my abilities to do something differently and my connection to, um, you could say, God, spirit, universal knowledge, I'm able to find things that nobody else can find. It just is. That's just who I am. Yeah. Because I went to heaven and came back. That's all there is. Yeah. Um, I got an education.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, you know, it's like you you chuckle, you you chuckle about that. But this is why I like to get the backstories to find out why people are doing what what they're doing, because what you've just shared for the last 27 minutes was nowhere in your bio. <laughs> you of know course I mean?
1: not. You know what I mean, not. but
0: but that right there is the power of the story. You know, as it says up there above us, like that's the power. The fact that you went through, and that's like beyond abuse. You know, that, oh yeah, that, yeah, that's beyond abuse. Yeah, it's physical,
1: it's mental and emotional.
0: Yes, yeah, like, and it drove you to the point of thinking that the world's better off without you. Like this like that's lived experience like there there is no degree and I'm not knocking education but there's no degree that can make you any better prepared to talk about this subject than what you went through
1: you're right you're right
0: absolutely but
1: so, so somehow um i i the doctor said there's no way you can live because your heart is not only uh, leaking the ventricle is not working because it's been leaking for so long i'm a nurse yeah. for like all ever and i'm an open heart surgery nurse too so i understand he was correct he wasn't lying yeah um the brain traumas were so bad that i couldn't go outside during the daytime okay mm-hmm. I could only shop for groceries at night. So thank God the stores were open at night. Hmm. And and when people say they have a brain trauma and they have a sensitivity to light, that's true. Yes, You can't go out. And the reason is, is because the heat of the sun puts heat in your head and it can't circulate because the brain traumas are not letting the brain operate normally. Yes. Okay, so that is very true. and uh, my was I was totally frozen. I couldn't um, turn my neck. I could only go like this. I, my neck couldn't well, if it's broken when you're five or six, I mean when you're fifty, it's kind of like really bad.
0: yeah <laughs> I, right. so, so take, take me through that conversation with with your doctor.
1: I well, there were three of them. Okay. And they said, um, I was on furanol for a couple of years, you know, for the headaches. And they said, what you can do is take Vicodin and that's stronger. And you need to, the the thing that you can do is take more and more because your pain is getting worse and worse. And your kidneys cannot handle all the drugs
0: mm-hmm.
1: and I can't see how you can live with your heart leaking so badly and you're not a candidate for surgery. So you probably won't live past 50. Wow. And, and, and they were not lying. I mean, you know, it was the truth. If your heart's leaking and the valves leak and that's working, it, they take you to open heart surgery. Right. Yeah. But if the heart, if the ventricle's not a muscle that's working, What's the sense of putting the valve in? Because it's not going to be able to pump it. I mean, there, there, and so they said there's nothing you can do. And I went. I mean, like I heard the words, but like it didn't mean anything. It's just a strange feeling. Yes. That I understood they were right, but somehow it didn't make sense
0: to me. Okay. So, so what, okay. what were your next so, steps?
1: I was like, I don't know.
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> hmm. So my uh, very good friend, I'm, I'm living in uh, Virginia, East Coast. And my very good friend moved from New York to Sedona, Arizona. And uh, the kids are in college at this point. They really don't come home. <laughs> <laughs> and... She said, Lois, why don't you come out and visit me? And I went, oh, okay, you know what? There's nobody home except a couple cats and um, I'll, I'll come visit you, so I did. And um, she said, oh my goodness, you look horrible. You look so, you're so crippled. I said, I know, you know, nobody can do anything. I went to a couple doctors and they said, your body is totally frozen. Mm. There's no movement in the joints. So a chiropractor can't help you because they can't separate the bones that are fused together. I mean, my back was fused together because it was stuck for, you know, what, 50 years.
0: Yeah.
1: Uh, you know how that goes. If you don't use something, it it, it um, yeah. gets fused. Yep. And so I said, I've been to people and they said, hey, I was even thrown out of yoga class.
0: <laughs> oh no.
1: Yeah, I was very depressed after that because I said, Oh, I'll do this yoga. They had a weekend intensive and the teacher called me over and she we went outside and she said, You're not a candidate for this class. I think I would be bad advertisement for her. So uh. <laughs> I cried after that. I'm going, oh my God. Uh. Uh. Well, and she was right you know i i couldn't move so yeah. you know yoga's not going to fix it anyway so she said why don't you come to this doctor he's a chiropractor but he does things that are different you know he's more advanced or whatever and yeah. she said she had some problems and um he fixed it and she said she's never going to move so i said okay i'll i'll, I'll go and so he adjusted my back. He said, you'll never die from your scoliosis, but you're dying from your heart because it's not working. I go, Dow, tell me something, not
0: that, you know. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks. (laughs) Yeah,
1: thank you for, yeah. So he he did some adjustments and then went, oh my goodness, I can breathe. I mean, I actually could breathe. And I walked straight up one of the mountains halfway in Sedona.
0: No comment.
1: I went, Oh my God. And then he said, I can help you. And I laughed like, yeah, <laughs> yeah, I, I know. I know the drill. I can help you. Yeah. You know, for, you know, one out of 10 people tell you they can help you like, yeah, I believe you. So, um, he said, but you'd have to live close cause you're not in good shape. I'm going, Duh. You think not? <laughs> so, um, I was amazed because I could breathe. I actually could breathe. Okay, not like to run a marathon, but I could actually take a deep breath. So I said, "This guy has something that other people don't have." Yeah. And so eventually, um, you know, like a couple weeks later, I went back East Coast, and um, my back was hurting again and all that. And I said, "Oh, I wish I was with that doctor there because I think he could help me." I tell you this is kind of off the chart, but it's Mm -hmm. the truth. I had a dream about him. Yeah. And in the dream, he fixed my back. And when I woke up, it didn't hurt. Oh, wow. Okay. Now that's a true one. You can believe it or not, but that's what happened. So that's when I thought, ah, maybe there's something here.
0: Yeah.
1: So eventually long story, uh, It took about two years. I eventually moved to the West Coast to be with this person. Yeah. And um, he was able to uh, help my, it's really, it's not a miracle. It's just that he has the gift of healing and he knows how to, it. he doesn't do x-rays or anything. It's all by intuition. And uh, my body eventually got realigned. And so therefore it heals your body heals when you have it in alignment. It is no, it's no mystery, but the body doesn't heal when it's crooked. Yes. You got to put it in perfect alignment and then the body heals itself. And that's exactly what happened to me. But yeah, like you couldn't do it in one or two sessions because I had so many problems and um, eventually it's another long story. A couple of years here and there, um, I he moved back to the East Coast, and then I had to move back because I was still sick. Eventually, we got married, <laughs> <laughs> and um, I helped him a lot because of what I knew about nutrition and all. So we both are in our seventies, thriving and doing very well. But mm-hmm. it's it's a uh, incredible story and um we both are thriving and doing very well but this is over a period of you know um eight nine years and finally um you know my head is okay and um my jaw is fine it's okay i mean one time my teeth i go how can all your teeth hurt I went oh my god all my teeth hurt it isn't like you have a toothache like all my teeth hurt, but what happened is that my jaw was um, made smaller because of all the uh, breaks, Yeah. but once he fixed my jaw, that, you know, it was normal size, my teeth had to accommodate that, so he had to Mm -hmm. adjust all my teeth to fix my jaw, I mean, we're talking major, like, people don't believe that you can do that, but it's true, so anyway, (laughs) um, Okay, so we did the physical. But you have to do the emotional healing, as you well know. Yep. So this is where the shame guilt came in. Like I'm going back to the therapy person and I'm going, okay, I don't feel like killing myself, but I'm not happy. Yes. And I'm tired of talking to all these people. Ah, I have a solution. I'm going to talk to myself instead of talking to people. And that's what started the healing process, because I could, when I was feeling depressed, I would say, hi, depression. Thank you for talking to me. What do you have to tell me? Hi, anxiety. How are you? And then I found the inner critic. Everybody knows about the inner critic. I say, hi, (laughs) hi, inner critic. Thank you for coming to talk to me, again, a critical. I mean, I'm talking about, like, it isn't like I'm schizophrenic. It's yeah. just that you, you, you're you always talking to yourself. And I would write to myself. Yeah. And that's really the best way to start writing. And, and you would hear it. It isn't like I'm talking to you now. It's kind of like you have a sense of that. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm really... And that's not unusual today because they do a lot of parts therapy now and inner child work. That's not... You know, I'm not out of the ballpark on this one. Yes. Okay. So I would talk to the inner critic and uh, his name is King. Okay. King. <laughs> <laughs> and I go, what do you want? You know, you're too stupid. You know, we don't talk to you and all that stuff. And, uh, and, you know, and I'm going like, thank you so much, but we have to talk. And what I figured out was that all our emotions are really people they're like three-year-old a four-year-old a 10-year-old of yourself that are stuck in that timeline yeah you're in 2021 and they're in 1960 yes like so that. you have people you can't fight you have to say hi can you come and join me in 2021 it's a lot better So forth and so on. So I mean, we're talking. You can't do it in like an hour. Like it's that's of the mind. We're doing it of the heart. You got it. And I have a film, out of discord into harmony, that shows me talking to myself as different parts. Yes. So I I figured out that um, the king part was the shame producer so unless i make friends with him he's always going to give me shame guilt like duh i I mean pardon
0: that i love that approach
1: of course if you have a problem with your product your wash machine um do you go to your local salesman no you go to the company president and he'll give you a new machine right
0: yeah.
1: <laughs> so i got a problem with Shane Gill. Who do I go to? I go to the part inside of me. That's producing it. Hello. Yep. Can we, ha- can we make a deal here? They, people say, Oh, shut up, go away. What do you do when you're trying to make friends with somebody? You don't tell them to shut up and go away. Cause is that going to work? Nope. <laughs> you got to say, hi, we have different ways but can we negotiate a deal? <laughs> and that's what you do.
0: So so give me give me an example, like give an example for the audience of just like where you are feeling something and you use that method to talk your way through it. I want to see it in action.
1: Um I, I, uh, I, I don't know if you want me to talk with the emotion or the inner critic or like a, anyone, um, exa- anyone. Okay.
0: Whatever's on your heart, speak on it.
1: Okay. Well, in my, my, um, everybody has their own theme. You know, like Jim Mortar says, you have a theme, pre- personality theme. Some everybody has their own thing. My emotions came first. Some people, the inner critic comes first. Yes. So my major one was depression. And I found out that um, depression was a twelve-year-old of me. Now, what happened? When I was twelve. I don't know, but they know. Do you see yes. what I'm saying? Yes. I found my life through my emotions. My emotions told me what happened to me. I didn't do. Th- I didn't do hypnosis because that doesn't work. You got to For this particular um, healing, you have to. When your emotions are ready to help you and you're ready to heal, they're there.
0: Yeah.
1: If you're not ready, they're not going to talk to you, which is wonderful. It, it, you know, it, God made it that way so we can self heal. This is all self healing. This yeah. is how you self heal. You talk to yourself, and the emotions talk back to you. And then I found out that the emotions, like depression. They hold the shame guilt. And it's up to us to talk to the emotions to release the shame guilt they were carrying at 12 years old when you were told you were stupid and dumb. They're holding that. And that's why people say, oh, I I just tell shame guilt, go away. Well, it, it isn't that simple. You have to find it to get rid of it. And what helped me in my healing is that when I contacted depression part, she, I could see that she's the one that was crooked with the scoliosis. And so when I went to therapy for an adjustment, uh, depression was there and she got adjusted, and that's why I healed so quickly. Now I've worked with clients for like 10, 15 years now and they have cancer or they have um, a, a disease and there's a part inside of them that has a disease. So we talk with that person, not talking
0: to you. We talk to that person inside of them
1: that has a disease and they heal.
0: Yes. Yeah, see, I'm gl- glad you said that. Uh, one of my sisters had a brain aneurysm burst and this was back in 2016 and she's got partial well not really partial she got paralysis in her left arm like her left leg can move like she can walk you know mostly with a cane but she can walk but her left arm isn't firing at all and she just keeps saying that i can't i can't i can't i can't i can't and now i i've never had paralysis but i've had seven surgeries you know and and i've bounced back pretty quickly from 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 all of them because like I always talk about myself in in the positive. Like my last one was I had it on my elbow. So it's like my arm was in a sling, but I could still use my hand, you know? So it wasn't like, I can't use my arm. Like I would have the sling on and I would still pick things up and put things down, right? And I kept myself in that positive headspace, and I keep trying to impress it upon her. I'm like, if this was me, I said, I would take my right arm, I would prop up that left, I would bring it over to my water bottle and be like, squeeze, squeeze. And I would say it every single day until it eventually squeezed. Because I, mm-hmm. I, I really feel y- your brain's going to do whatever you tell it to do. And like what yeah. you were saying about the healing, our subconscious mind is still holding on to stuff that we may have long forgot about, but it's on a conscious level, but it still affects us.
1: Yeah, and so what I'm doing is I'm talking to my subconscious mind consciously.
0: Yes, yes.
1: And they're right. Everything is in your subconscious mind. But if you do hypnosis, you go against the inner critic. And the inner critic is very angry and makes it tougher on you. Mm. So you got to do the subconscious work consciously. Yeah. Like high-, high who who's who's um who's stopping my arm from moving? Like that's the question I would ask. Yeah. Who inside of me is stopping my arm from moving? Can we talk? hmm yeah. That's really talking to yourself in a way that's therapeutic.
0: Yeah.
1: And it works.
0: Sure. And it
1: works. And uh, my whole now. What I'm talking to you about was I do, I was doing this like 15 years ago and I was giving lectures and people would say, Lois, what are you talking about? I can't see a word you're talking about. I don't understand a word you're talking about. And I'm going, don't you see this? And that's when I realized that I have been so blessed with an inner sight. Because I can see this. I see it so readily uh, when I do uh, client patient excuse me clients in sessions I can see what's happening with inside yeah. and I go oh Susie wants to talk to you don't you want to talk to Susie <laughs> and they go what are you talking about? I said I see Susie right there in a the red dress and she wants to talk to you and she says, oh I used to wear a red dress I'm going duh
0: <laughs> so, <laughs>
1: so that's when I went to film school because I said I want people to see what I see but I did not know film school was so tough, but I mm-hmm. made it through the <laughs> grace of God. Oh my God, that was not easy. But yeah. anyway, I did it and I made lots of friends. So that's how I became a filmmaker.
0: Okay.
1: Because I wanted people to see what I see. Because you only believe what you see.
0: Yep. That's if you true. can't
1: see it, you don't believe it.
0: It's true. That's. That's the first step in my process with, with my coaching clients. I say, you, you have to see it. Then you have to feel it. Once you feel it, then you can go get it. Exactly.
1: Yep. Very smart. You're a smart guy. Thank you. And, and we have to owe, I owe that quote to Doris Day. Okay. She said, we believe what we see. Then I went, yep, that's right. So that leads me on to my new film, I'm good because I'm making shame, guilt visible. Yeah. And that we can get into that a little bit later. So that's why I became a filmmaker, because I needed to. So my whole life has been, what I need, I do. I like
0: and it it keeps on going. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so, so you said that's coming out next month, right?
1: Probably the end of the month. You know how, well, films, you know, like over months behind or something like that so probably june the end of june and i can let you know about it it's uh it's very exciting it's very exciting
0: yeah yeah i I definitely want to want to check it out especially after this conversation you know my uh interest is definitely peaked this is good stuff
1: yeah so that's how i got here now for like the past 10 years or so i've been invited to give seminars unless i have you know something to say but when i said i'm the shame guilt educator they said oh no we don't talk about shame and guilt mm. it doesn't exist now we can talk about joy and happiness and love and achieving but we don't talk about shame and guilt and i said you can talk about happiness all you want, but you're not going to have it unless you get rid of shame and guilt. Well, you may have it for a week or two, but it goes away. I said, I can't not talk about the root problem. And they said, well, we can't have you talking. And I went, okay. So with the virus craziness that's all happened, people have been by themselves a little bit more and realized that they have some problems that have been brewing. And they've covered it up with other methods that aren't here right now. Yeah. So that's why I've been on podcasts, and I'm like a hot topic now. I was like, "Oh, you want me to talk about shaming out? Okay, mm-hmm. <laughs> that's a new thing." But I would not change my name. I would not change what I do because I could not. I still can't believe that with all the therapies, with all the self help with all the stuff that's going on these days. Shame, guilt is not at the forefront because shame, guilt is the core of every negative thing we do. So I was so, so happy, I was tap dancing when I figured out shame, guilt was everything because I didn't have to go to therapy for depression. I didn't have to manage depression. I didn't have to go to therapy for anxiety. I didn't have to learn the five rules to stop anxiety. I just had to get rid of shame, guilt. Makes so much sense. I mean, I'd be in therapy for, I'd die before I was healed.
0: (laughs) Wow. So but what what is your your advice to someone who's listening that's struggling with shame guilt i'll tell you
1: the truth about shame guilt and when i tell you you'll go oh my goodness i have hope so that's what i can tell we we have been struggling we humanity great humanity leaders of the universe have been struggling with shame and guilt. I call shame, guilt, because it's the same.
0: Yeah.
1: Shame, guilt, since Adam and Eve. Mm. So, what they're telling us obviously is not working. It's a big da. And I'm coming with a new premise that makes it sense out of shame, guilt, shame, guilt, and energy. And that changes the focus of everything. And you know the truth. And when your body hears the truth, you start to heal. And so I don't know if you wanna get into that now or later on, but I want to explain what the truth is about shame, guilt, and why we have not been able to get rid of it because we have not been given the right information. As soon as I learned this, my healing escalated. My um, age, uh, I, I got younger. The clients I work with in 10 years of therapy, I spend an hour or two and they're okay. It's it's cataclysmic.
0: Yeah, just like that. We can get into it now. We we only got about six minutes left. So we can dive into it now. We have love energy.
1: Everybody knows about love energy.
0: Yeah.
1: Think of your babies and your kids. You're happy you're self-confident, you can climb that mountain, you're healthy, you have joy, and you have a lot of hope. And you can accomplish things that you didn't think you could accomplish. And you have compassion for people, you have intuition. So that love energy has what, maybe 50, 60 emotions, right? Love fuels all of those emotions and and we're just fine and we're healthy
0: yeah
1: okay on the other side we have a negative energy it's called shame guilt that's it now shame guilt energy is not normal it does not belong to humanity Love belongs to humanity. Shame, guilt, energy does not belong to humanity.
0: So why do so many people let it consume them?
1: Because they think they deserve it. We are told we need shame and guilt to be morals. We are told to use it upon ourselves. We are told to suffer. We are told to have penance i mean we're talking government religion politics teachers nuns parents grandparents i mean we're talking the world here mm. okay you got it i mean like from a baby stop crying you keep me up all night i mean it's it's endemic we talk about a pandemic this is a pandemic yes <laughs> okay we but do. what we're cha- what we're doing is now is changing the awareness okay that's step number 1 because we are trained not taught we are trained to use shame guilt energy to keep us moral if you don't behave god's going to punish you you're going to go to hell i mean really i mean this is so common that we don't we could spend an hour talking about it
0: yeah <laughs> yeah we can
1: okay And we can't blame one person. We can only blame one thing. Shame, guilt, energy. That's the only obstacle we as humans have. Isn't that interesting?
0: That is interesting.
1: Now, doesn't that change your focus?
0: Yeah, yeah, definitely gets the wheels turning. Definitely.
1: You know, you can see all the depression, anxiety, and suicide, and everything going. Yeah, mm-hmm. it, yes, it but, goes. Go ahead. It, it goes right to shame, guilt, energy, because that is the energy that causes all of this. And we can work on depression, anxiety, but is that going to help you? Yeah, for a couple of weeks, but is it going to cure it? No, because you didn't get rid of the f- cause.
0: Yes. Exactly. You know
1: your house is leaking, and you keep putting a you know a little patch or something over it, and it keeps leaking. Well, if you go on the roof and fix the leak, it doesn't leak anymore. It's <laughs> a big duh. So I'm plugging the leak up here.
0: Yes, and that happens so so often. Like I I witness it daily. I mean, I'm guilty of it myself. You know?
1: Everybody is. Yeah, You're yeah human. Like
0: I'm guilty of it myself, but I tell people that struggle with anxiety, depression. And again, I'm no doctor by any means, but I am human, you know? And I know how the human emotions work. And I said that you have problem, you have solution. And people spend too much time in the middle.
1: But that's what we're taught to do. Yes. We Uh, are trained to do, okay? So we're talking ground zero here.
0: Yeah, no, like I tell people sometimes that we're the most powerful beings on Earth, but yet we're like domesticated animals.
1: We are. (laughs) Do you know that the original human had 64 DNA strands? I did not know that. Today, we have somewhere between 12 and 24. Wow. We have been devolved. And people feel very guilty because they know we have that potential. Now I have a pen in my hand. Mm -hmm. If I had those 64 DNA strands, highly enlightened human, I could change this pen to an apple, Mm
0: -hmm.
1: right? We can do that. We can change that broken arm that she has or that arm not working instantly to health. If we had that 64 strands. So how how does that happen? Shame, guilt, energy has devolved us. Mm, okay, that's a hard pill to swallow. Well,
0: it's true. It's it's very true. They're saying this is why I selected you when <laughs> I was going through the uh, the guest the guest list because I was like, this is a topic I haven't haven't covered. Still, I'm ninety shows in now. So it's it's like you know you try to try to look at life from from a different lens. And then coming at it from this one has been very eye-opening. Okay.
1: Do I have scientific proof? No. But shame, guilt, energy has been put upon humanity. Now, that's another podcast. But (laughs) it's not of human. And it was put on to devolve us. And it was very, very effective. Okay. The jig is up. We know. (laughs) okay and we can now work with getting it out so um you know we're going on the spiritual trend well yeah the yogis and all they can levitate and everything like that we can do all that stuff Mm. but we have to make our frequency higher and just saying and meditating and thinking and hoping ain't going to do it. It ain't going to do it. You have to get rid of the shame, guilt. That's holding you down. Like you're trying to climb a mountain, Rob, and you got a big, um, knapsack on your back pack pack with a big stone in it. Yeah. I don't think you're going to go too far, but if you say I'm getting rid of this damn stone and throw it away, you can climb up the mountain. Yeah. So that's me. I'm getting rid of the stone you're carrying.
0: I like that. Get rid of the stone you're carrying. All right. So give us give us one one final word here before we sign off.
1: I will tell you why I call it shame guilt, not shame and guilt. Okay. Mm,
0: That's interesting. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Go
1: ahead. Tell us oh okay (laughs) shame is in the unconscious mind and guilt's in the conscious mind Ah. okay guilt is good shame is bad like really there's no you you know you, you can't say one is good and one is bad they're both bad there's no healthy poison yes now why does therapist Social workers, psychiatrists, everybody calls it shame and guilt. When I'm saying it's the same. okay? I'm a nurse person, right, forever. This is how the medical world works. If you have a bacteria in your brain, they call it meningitis. If you have the same bacteria in your lungs, they call it pneumonia. If you have the same bacteria in your gallbladder, they call it cholecystitis. If you have the same bacteria in your liver, they call it hepatitis. Mm. If you have it in your joints, they call it bursitis. Do you see where I'm going on this? Yes. That's why you have 900 diseases with different names, and the same cause is shame and guilt.
0: Gotcha. That's a solid solid mic drop right there. (laughs)
1: And, and your mind's going. One's good, one's bad, and you'll never get resolution, will you? No. No. And who thinks guilt is a good thing? Oh, a lot of people. A lot of people say guilt is. We need more guilt in our world because people are not moral. Oh, I, don't, don't even get me started.
0: Yeah, we'll, <laughs> we'll have to. We'll have to have you back on hey. again and uh, can continue the discussion.
1: Okay, so. Since shame is in the unconscious mind and guilt's in the conscious mind, they call it different things, but it's shame, guilt, energy. It's all bad. Yes. You can't have one, a healthy poison. That's what I just say. It's an Nazi Yeah, See,
0: And you've said this word a couple of times throughout the show about the word release, you know, you got to release let it go. Right, but right, you gotta right. find it first to release it. That's that's true too. And and I, I feel I feel like pe- people know they just don't want to accept it. So they, they try to don't carry it.
1: Well, I think it's because of that particular thing that we just talked about. We've yeah. been educated that guilt is good yeah. and shame. So why should we get rid of something that's good for me? Mm. Do you see the problem?
0: Yes. Yeah.
1: Culture has really done it to us. It's So true. Guilt is good. Shame is bad. So I can't get rid of shame because guilt is good. And it messes your brain up so much. You just get I give up.
0: <laughs> true. <laughs>
1: I really feel like that's the reason why people don't want to address it. Because inherently humanity is good. Humanity. I want to help you. Yeah. I mean, that's just because that's my humanness. And you yeah, want to help it. your clients and you want to help your kids. We all are giving to the point of a fault sometimes. So yeah. we want to keep our we want to keep the guilt because we want to be moral. But we've been told that's the only way you can be moral. And I'm going, that don't work. But you were trained that way. So you got to change your brain.
0: <laughs> yep. Exactly. And that's what I'm
1: doing with the podcast. Yep. Is it gonna happen like that? Well, at least you're going down the right road now.
0: Yeah, at least you're planting the seed.
1: Exactly. And
0: then over time it can start to blossom.
1: Yes. Shame, guilt is the same energy. They're yeah. both bad.
0: Yeah, so you gotta find it. You gotta release it and, let and, that avoid, love, it. and avoid, avoid it. Avoid it. Avoid it. Yeah, and let that love energy take over.
1: Exactly. Now, the love energy and the shame-guilt energy are always fighting for your emotions.
0: Yep. And you are the only one that can establish peace. Yes, we're going to end right there. That was a perfect way to end. So, Lois, thank you for taking the time out. It's a great, great story. I, I didn't have to leave lead you at all. You had that story dialed in. <laughs> that, that was great. <laughs> You know, and, you know, props to props to you for enduring what you endured and you're still going on to do some amazing things. So hope you're very, very proud of how far you've come.
1: Well, uh, everybody does their mission in life for God.
0: Yep. Very true. All right. Well, you have yourself a great day. Thank you very much. My pleasure. And I wasn't kidding. I'll, I'll ha- have you on again and we'll we'll continue that conversation.
1: Yeah, because uh, I think that people need to have that uh, incubate in their brain and then we should take it from there because you got we got to we got to move this one along.
0: Yeah, I agree. It's, it's, it's definitely an important topic. All right. OK, care. blessing. Mm-hmm. Right, bye. All right, that was Lois dropping her knowledge and expertise on us. This was a very, very eye-opening show. So if you're tuning in late, go back and watch the rest of it because she dropped a whole lot of knowledge there from some deep, deep struggles throughout her childhood and making making the shift to where she had to battle her own inner de- inner demons that led her thinking that this world was better off without her and she contemplated taking her, her own life. But she was able to identify the root of her problems, address it, release it, avoid it. And now she's inspiring people all over the world with her message of hope. So thank her once again. I, say I thank her once again for taking time out to share with you all. And this was episode 90. It was a great one. So you guys have a great day. You've been listening to Shut Up and Grind.